The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. Podcaster Ezra Klein argued Friday in the New York Times in the wake of special counsel Robert Hur's report, painting a picture of a frail old man, that Biden should, quote, find his way to stepping down as a hero. Conservative Peggy Noonan made the same argument in the Wall Street Journal. Go out a hero. Even sportscaster Bob Costas told Real Time's Bill Maher that if Biden won't do it for the good of the country, then he should be, quote, shown the door by the party. So there's buzz behind it. It's not just this fringe talk. It's part of a mainstream conversation. But is it realistic? The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Now, that was audio from News Nation. We'll talk a little bit about the president and the races and a whole lot more. It's been a little while since we've... Uh, well, kind of dove into this and did an update. I, I also want to deal with whether or not Catholics should be involved in politics. And we have some people who really get angry. I, I forwarded to my next guest, Dr. Paul Kengor, some emails um, from our last exchange. Uh, they didn't really uh, appreciate, uh, I, I guess, the position that Dr. Kengor had regarding Vladimir Putin. Right? They don't appreciate the position sometimes we hold for Donald Trump or for Joe Biden. I often found it curious, you know, I do talk radio, and I learned this early in my broadcasting career, you know, you get your first set of nasty emails, you're thinking, oh my gosh, right? When you're, when you're wet behind the ears, as you do this, your skin thickens, and you realize you say one thing, you know what you mean and what you intend, and people hear two totally different things, or they don't hear your disclaimer, they don't hear how you positioned or set up your, your particular argument, they hear what they think they hear, and... Um, the same conversation, get two radically different perspectives. Uh, but let's talk about this uh, today a little bit. I, I, really, I can't believe we have another election coming up, right? It's crazy. It's a redux of what we had before. Nobody wants to see this rematch. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if Joe Biden's going to run, to be honest with you. I mean, I, we'll see if something doesn't happen in the interim. Uh, if he does, it'll be a Trump-Biden rematch. Every four years, of course, we have these general elections, and you know, this show is primarily concerned with examining the events of your life, your day, right? We look at current events. We look at faith and family and politics, and we look at uh, health, and we look at the culture. We look at all these different things. Right now, politics are driving a lot of different issues that affect us, from our children to the issue of life to freedom. In this country, there's a lot of current events swirling around. Who is in office and I think that's why it's really important for us to discuss this, to look at this. Some people wonder, I, I just want religious talk from Catholic radio. I, I, I don't want to hear anything. I don't need to hear politics. I don't need to hear. Oh, I get that. And there's plenty of it here. I hope you listen to relevant radio all day. I mean, you're certainly going to get that. But I, again, I, I try to give a look at life through the eyes of our faith. And when it comes to politics, that's the mechanism for change. Right? It's how change is affected in our country. We need well-formed individuals in office. Unless there's some major war going on in another part of the world or a major terrorist attack, you know, the only thing that you're going to hear from some called mainstream news source, you know, is is that talk or partisan politics, right? I mean, um, Relevant Radio gives you a different look. When the political season is descended to the point that most candidates right now are geriatrics, you know, and um, one seems to have obvious memory problems. The other has serious legal problems. It says something about the state of how our electorate, how the voters are thinking. 
I, I, I zoom out. I'm like, is this really, is this the best America can offer, right? Is this the best for the future of this country, for the future of our children and our children's children? What I do know is this is what the matchup's going to be, right? So we're going to have to, we're going to have to deal with it. Uh, as I said, the show's concerned primarily with current events and politics are part of that current event. We get a lot of emails that come into us. And, uh, you know, the Second Vatican Council, uh, they stipulated, they pointed out pretty clearly that, uh, you know, in, that politics is in the domain of the laity and that we're supposed to bring Christ into the arena. In fact, Pope St. John Paul the Great, he once said this. Let me share one quote, one of my favorite quotes when it comes to this issue. He says, the lay faithful are never to relinquish their participation in public life. That is in the many different economic, social, legislative, and administrative and cultural areas. That's your duty. That's my duty. We're not to relinquish that. That includes radio. The vast majority of people listening right now are laity. You are the ones who are going to go to the polls in November. You are the ones that are going to vote. You are the ones that are going to make decisions about the future of this country. We reap what we sow. We get the politicians we vote for. Politics is not always easy to discuss. Uh, you're more than welcome to join me here. I'd love to hear from you today, too. Uh, the number is 888-914-9149. I'm joined today by Dr. Paul Kangor. He is a professor of political science at Grove City College in Pennsylvania, regular contributor here, writes for the American Spectator, and I hope you'll check out his uh, many articles at spectator.org. It's uh, spectator.org. Doctor, good to have you with me today. Good afternoon. Yeah, hey, Drew. Good to be back again. Thanks. Yeah, I fired you off some emails. I was looking at them <laughs> late one night. Just now, oh, here's three or four of them that came in. And I, I just thought, oh, we, maybe we'll start really about this. made my day. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I get fired all the time. You're so Republican. <laughs> You're so Democrat. You're so, you know, it's like, I'm like, well, which one am I? I'm, I'm Catholic, I hope. I hope I that, know. I, I'm, you know, I'm neither. I, I'm Catholic first. But give me your take on, on you know, not just the reaction that we get from some of our dialogue, but the role of laity, the role of what you and I do here when it comes to dialoguing about the, the political spectrum and how critical and how important that is. Yeah, yeah. You know, and one of the emails that I got from you, I think the guy called me an, a, a, an, an idiot propagandist. Yeah. And I and I yeah. and I responded to you, Drew. I said, who am I the idiot propagandist for? Right. <laughs> I, I just, is it for Trump? Is it, uh, which I'm definitely not, but you know, you know how it is. Some people will call in and they think that I'm for Trump. Others think I'm too anti-Trump. And a lot of the time, right. We're really just trying to call balls and strikes yeah. as we see them. Yeah. Right. And, and really honest to God, that, that, that is oftentimes what I, what I'm trying to do. Right. And, and and that that one it turned out was really upset by what I had to say about Putin, and I got to tell you, Drew, that was really weird because as I was getting that email from you and reading the person who thought that I was too critical of Putin, and that I had been too critical of Putin, I, I think on the death of uh, of, of Alexei Navalny, yeah. I, I I'm reading a, a, an article, a headline from Fox News, and I've got it right here in front of me. Right now, um, Nalvani's body reportedly found with signs of bruising yeah. as Russia claims he died of something called sudden death syndrome. Right. And it says that this poor guy, he's found with signs of bruising. Government officials said that he died of what they call sudden death syndrome. Officials at the prison where Nalvani died told his mother 
that his body could not be handed over until an investigation had been completed. They said his body was sent to a nearby morgue. Mm. An anonymous paramedic claiming to work for the morgue told the independent news outlet Novaya Gazeta Europe that the bruising was consistent with a person being held down while suffering a seizure. Right. So I'm reading all of that. I'm thinking, man, this is like going back 40 years into the Cold War with the Soviet Union. Right. With Brezhnev and Andropov and the KGB and Solzhenitsyn and murders in penal colonies in Siberia next to the Arctic Circle, and uh, which is kind of the thing I tried to say on your show last Friday, but it really upset somebody who thought I was being too critical of Putin. Yeah, no of kidding. All things. No, no yeah, kidding. Yeah, and I think the two calls that we took that day, or at least one of them, um, felt that I was too critical of Putin. And that article that I wrote for the American Spectator, it had at least 200 reader comments I say two thirds of them were probably against me. That's, on, that's on, so on wild. I know. What's what's, I know. Dri- what, what's you know what's driving that? Uh, what, what do you think is what's with the mindset there? Well, with a lot of you know, I'll generally call them American conservatives, people on the right, yeah. right? And I'm def- definitely a conservative, but but they 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 tend to give Putin the benefit of the doubt on a lot of this stuff because. They, they 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 like where Putin has been as like a Russian traditionalist on issues like marriage, religion, family, abortion, mm-hmm. uh, gender ideology, marriage, all of that kind of stuff, right? Like traditional Russian, Russian Orthodox Church. And the other thing is, and I understand this, and I talked about this on your show, um, a lot of the people who are American conservatives feel really uneasy about the fact that American liberals and progressives are so anti-Putin. Right. And so a lot of those conservatives think, well, maybe there's something wrong with my position. Why are these people who 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 fly rainbow flags off their house all year round, not only during Pride Month? And and by the way, don't fly an American flag, but right next to it, they fly a Ukrainian flag. So there must be something wrong with Ukraine and Zelensky. And maybe I should take Putin's side on this. So, so you know, there's a lot of ambivalence. Also, it's really hard. To um, and I say this completely sympathetically to anybody listening, and I, I deal with, as a professor, I deal with this. Students will ask me, others will ask me, where do you get for reliable news? Well, the answer is it's really hard, and, and everybody has a bias. It's really difficult to find news sources that you can that are truly objective, and um, it, it's difficult. It's hard to know what the truth is. I mean, we're re- really living in, you know, to quote the late Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, a dictatorship of relativism, yeah. where where people really um, aren't sure what to believe. A lot of people feel that way. Let's be candid, right? Even about yeah. our church yeah. today. So it, it's a it's a tough time to be an American. A tough time to be Catholic. Yeah. Um, the confusion is just vast. And guys like you and I, I mean, yeah. oftentimes we're just here. In the media, trying to navigate our way through it, help yep. people, help listeners, try not to be arrogant, trying to be humble, mm-hmm. right? Praying that we'll get the truth out. And, uh, you know, it, it's, yes, it, it can be tough to get beat up for it. But on the other hand, you and I both realize no matter what you say, yeah. you're going to, you're going to outrage somebody. That's so no true. matter what position you take, yeah. it's going to be against somebody else. And it is truly impossible yeah. to make everybody happy. I, I did a segment yesterday, this time on Taylor Swift, and it was just mm-hmm. taking a look at the, her meteoric rise to, to fame. I didn't say, I mean, a lot of people came away with the the, the 
position that they thought I said, oh, she sold her soul. I said, no, I'm just looking at this, the occultic behavior on the stage and some of the tangential stuff she's involved with and raised a question for exploration. I, I like to allow people to think for themselves. I like to present, you know, and allow people to to determine for themselves, you know, hey, this is a possibility or, or no, it's not. But, you know, people often hear one side. Like I often heard you, a lot of people, you know, got very angry at you because they, they thought you were anti-Trump, right? And mm -hmm. you were initially, and then they think you're just a Trumper, you know? So it, right. it, it's hard. We got two candidates right now, and um, it's going to probably be a redux. We're probably going to have a, a rematch from the last election. Before I take calls, there's a number of people who want to join us. Let me just ask you, do you think Joe Biden will run? Do you think he is going to be up against Trump? And Trump is also a variable. I think Nikki Haley is staying in because there's a possibility there may be legal challenges, but more than likely these two guys are going to go head to head. But what, what do you think? Do you think Biden will run? Do you think he's going to make it? Yeah, I think he will. And in fact, you know, looking at the latest Real Clear Politics numbers, you know, Trump's lead over Biden is now down to 1.3%. And so it was four, almost 5% just about four or five weeks ago, and, uh, and fairly steadily so. So I think if Biden's looking at the numbers right now, um, he's probably now actually a bit more encouraged to stay in the race than he might have been maybe a month or so ago. So, and, and part of Biden's, I think, you know, I'll just say a cognitive problems, right, is yep. that is, he's, he's not good a kind of self-diagnosis and assessing exactly where he is and how he feels, how people feel about him, and really even where the polls are. So I, I think he's convinced that he's going to run. I think a better question would be uh, if you go and vote for Joe Biden in November 2024, wanting, wanting him to be president for the next four years, um, I think you really realistically ought to be thinking that, yeah, he might win, but I don't think he would be in in for another full year no, or two. Not at all. I, I, yeah, so I, I I think the better question is is Kamala Harris going to stay on with him? I think she probably is. And if you vote for Joe Biden in, in November twenty twenty four, you're probably you're probably voting for her for it, president. It, it's funny you say in the that. Next four years. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was uh, Bill McGurn. Uh, who I think it was a Wall Street Journal article he wrote. I think that's where I saw it. He said Kamala Harris was Joe Biden's smartest decision. As long as she keeps mm -hmm. her yeah, job, the president's yeah. going to be on the 2024 ticket. And I thought, that's really a clever insight. A lot of people thought, oh, it was identity politics. He chose her because she was a woman. She was black and well, made he her the he VP. Yeah, he, he effectively said that about, about Kamala Harris. That, that, and in fact, remember, we, we talked for a couple months before he made his pick that everybody in the, in the liberal media, right, the mainstream media, they all said that, that Biden is going to pick a black woman. Right. I mean, that, that was absolutely the complete consensus. Yeah. And and guys like me and you were like, well, I don't know if he would do that. You know, yeah. I yeah. I, I, and besides, if he did, I mean, look at these lists that are out right. there. There's right. only like four or five names on the list. Right. And by the way, it's not you and I saying that there are only four or five uh, you know, qualified black women to be vice president. We're just saying that in the list that were put out there by people, there were only four or five names. I mean, yeah. that was it. Yeah. And, and, we, and we thought, well, well, from this list, this isn't a very appealing group. Uh, the, the one was the former Obama um, secretary. And you and I both spoke pretty positively of her. I can't remember what her name was right now. Um, may, maybe Suzanne Rice, I think it was. Susan Rice. Was it Rice? Um, yeah, I think so. Or at least I spoke fairly positively of her. I thought of all of them, she would be the best pick. And when he picked Kamala Harris, I thought, oh, I can't believe he did that. Oh, I Rice? never thought. Ever that he would pick her, she 
She's the most shrill of the group, the nastiest, the most unlikable of the group. And from a Catholic perspective, horrible on the abortion issue and all the kind of social moral issues. I mean, way to the left of and, and And I believe that she, more than any, anybody else in the Biden White House and administration, uh-huh. has yanked our Catholic president far to the left mm-hmm. on, 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 on those issues. So that was a devastating pick. And uh, and he picked her because of identity politics. We all knew that. There's no question about that. But there's so many variables here, and I do, I do want to get the phones. But I, I just to follow up on what you said, um, we even have uh, you know progressives like Talib, Rashida Talib, uh, calling for voters to vote against Biden in the Michigan primary. What do you make of that? Yeah, yeah, she, you know, she's um, she's very radical, but she's also, you know, very hardball politics. Talib is, and um, you know, if if she believes maybe that that's what it would take to push Biden out, right? That is kind of a Machiavellian strategy within the party um, to you know, early on maybe force the party to pick somebody else. And, and 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 I mean, people need to understand, really, still to this day, the way that that this works for the parties. Uh, when yeah. that convention comes around, regardless of how people voted around the country in the different primaries, the party can still get together and 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 pick somebody else. I mean, they they I I, I think according to the rules, they can probably still do that, yeah. and 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 that's the reason too why Nikki Haley continues yeah. to hang in yeah. here, yeah. and and she and she's got. She, she's got half the delegate numbers that Trump has because she hasn't lost any winner take all states right. yet. And as long as she's the number two, I mean, if, if she can, if she can go into what it's, I think the Republican convention is in Milwaukee this year, I believe. Yeah. Right? Is, yeah. If, if she could, yeah, if she could go in and Trump has 1300 votes, she has 800 or 1400 to a thousand. I mean, you know, that, that's respectable. And that's enough reason for other people in the room to say, well, okay, maybe we'll just we'll just go ahead with uh, with with Haley. And so just, she she's smart to stay in. The, the, the you know DeSantis and those guys they suspended their campaigns. They didn't fully dump out. But you're right, right about the delegate count. It was in you know, 1968. Um, Biden could do what Lyndon B. Johnson did. You know, after nearly losing mm-hmm. New Hampshire primary, Johnson gracefully bowed out, and he left it you know to an open convention to choose the Democratic presidential nominee. Um, too late for primaries, you know, but. Uh, I guess Biden would have to allow delegates to choose a candidate, not now running, maybe Gavin Newsom or Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer or somebody else. I don't know who who that would be. Um, Yeah, I I think only Newsom is really the only ones that register in any of the pollings among Democrats are are Biden, Newsom and, and Michelle Obama. Yeah. Of, of all people. Do you really and, think Michelle Obama wants to run? Do you think she would run? I, I don't. I don't. And, yeah, I don't and, so, and yet, no. in fact, I'm looking at the RCP numbers right now. Biden, 60 percent. Obama, 14. Newsom, 10. She, she's second. So she's actually second among Democrats. But but I think it'd more likely be somebody like Newsom. And um, I don't know what good that does for the Democrats. I mean, they're going to win California anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but other than Biden and, and by the way, Harris isn't even on the radar yeah. here. I know. So, yeah. um, and, and if Biden's going to replace her because that might help his ticket, 
Well, if Biden's at the top of the ticket, he hurts the ticket as much as as, as Kamala Harris does. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, so it's, it's not a strong it's not a strong ticket for the Democrats at all. And, uh, and, and we don't know yet who Trump is going to pick as his beat. I know. Uh, you and I both think it could be Tim Scott. I think that would be a great pick. So do I. If he chose Tim Scott. And Tim Scott's been very vocal and supported Trump lately. Let's go to the phones. A lot of people want to want to join you. I I also want to ask you about you mentioned Michelle Obama, but Barack Obama. I don't think he you know he backed Hillary Clinton. In that, in the previous election, not even his own VP, and you know, right. I, I I forget what who wrote about it. Was it uh, there was some book where they said that the the Obama White House treated Biden as a doddering uncle who, who always blurts out things that were offensive. You know, at Thanksgiving, that's that's yeah, the kind of yeah. guy he was. So, you know, he did get the nod hey, hey, in the hey, end. Biden, Biden said racially offensive things about Barack Obama. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and and Biden has a history of saying racially offensive things. So did Bill Clinton about about Barack Obama. In fact, I can look up the quote, but uh, during break, but, but Clinton said something like, wasn't it something like um, this guy yeah. would be getting us our coffee or something like that? Oh, my gosh. And, uh, and, and, and Biden, I'll look up the exact quote during break, but wow. Biden has a horrific quote about That's Obama terrible. being a, like a unique or rare articulate black man. Remember wow. that? Wow. It's a horrible quote wow. from Biden. Let's go to the yeah. phones. Jose's in Hammond, Indiana. Jose, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? Oh, well, thank good, you. Thanks good. for calling. Oh, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, you know what? I think it's actually sad that the uh, United States kind of has a uh, Mexico policy now as far as uh, voting because it's out of our control. We've always had good candidates. I mean, when... Donald Trump ran against Hillary. There was very good candidates, and we got Trump, which is, I mean, it's not bad. It's good. And right now, I mean, we got, we had some good candidates, too, that were running as Republicans, and we're back with Trump, which, once again, I guess it's not bad. He's the least of the two evils. At least he's pro-life and, yeah. you know, but, but I don't think we yeah. had a choice to vote for who we wanted, because at the end of the day, it was going to be between them two. Right. Jose, thanks. I'm glad you called. I'm glad you've been a long-time listener. I'm glad you finally picked up the phone to join us. It's good to have you here. Doctor, I'll let you respond to Jose's comments. Yeah, I think, is, is he making a reference there to, to corruption, maybe, I, I, I believe, right? Yeah, and, and um, my call yes. screener is saying he's, he says it's the, he thinks it's the media that gave us these two candidates. So, you know, maybe there's been... Right. Some emphasis there. Well, and, and the and the way that the media protects the people that it wants to protect, and in fact, you know, speaking of which, and uh, then again, having said that, I'm reading here from CNN.com. Mm -hmm. Now, that I, I had mentioned the, I had mentioned the Biden statement about Obama. This is uh, CNN.com. This is February 9th, 2007, and Biden referred to Barack Obama as quote the first mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy, unquote. Joe Biden referred to Obama on February 9th, 2007 as quote, the first mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. Now, I, I mean, th you know, there are multiple insults in that statement, right? I mean, Biden didn't merely single out Obama as, as allegedly unique among mainstream black Americans because he, he was articulate and bright and clean and nice looking, right? But he singled out Barack Obama as the literal first 
first mainstream African-American person who possessed such positive qualities, right? So that means in that statement from Biden that all previous and other African-Americans did not possess those kinds of attributes. That is an incredible statement. And Obama, in turn, this is February 2007, Obama a a year later makes Biden his running mate. Makes Biden his imagine if there is a, a, a statement from Donald Trump referring to Barack Obama as the first mainstream African American who's articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. That statement is from Joe Biden. Wow. And you can only get away with those kinds of awful statements in America if you're a Democrat. The media lets you get away with it. Yep. And I'm reading this now, and people are probably thinking, well, I've never heard of that. You know, right now they're probably Googling it, right? Yep. Right, Biden, Obama, articulate, bright, clean. Uh, you, you know, wow, did he really say that? Wow, look at this. Ken Gore's right. Uh, how did I not know that? <laughs> you didn't know it because Biden is a Democrat, and the Democrats and the liberal media protects their own. Mm-hmm. If that was Trump, he'd be toast. Yeah. Let's find a way to find them $355 million for it, yeah, probably. I, I, I want your take on that, too. I've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll grab a few more calls. Thank you for your patience. If you're on hold, do my best to get you on. If you're just joining me, we're speaking with Dr. Paul Kangor, putting our finger on the pulse of what's happening in the country today, especially in the world of politics. You probably heard a New York judge has fined the former president with interest about $455 million for a fraud when the judge admitted nobody had been defrauded. Will the president, will will former President Trump be in the race? We'll continue to explore that and more. Today, we'd like to thank Santi, who's listening in Maine, for donating his 1983 Jaguar XJ6. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Call in now at 888-914-9149 to tell Drew what you think. Y'all grab a couple of your phone calls. If you're just joining me, I'm speaking with author and professor, Dr. Paul Kangor, taking a look at our political race, and it's getting close, right? We're halfway through the month of February. We're going to be voting in November and anything can happen, right? Right now, just to kind of paint the scene for you, the Biden administration, uh, they're looking forward to next month. The president's going to do a State of the Union address. They're calling it a big public reset moment for him, a chance to maybe overcome or at least neutralize some of these concerns about his age, about his vitality. That's a big stumbling block for a lot of people, and he's losing a lot of voters. I don't think the economy's helping either. Uh, many Democrats are convinced that the election, if it were today, that Biden would lose the rematch with the president. And, you know, the, the Biden State of the Union address, I don't know if you remember that. It played well last year. The president was agile. Uh, he, you know, he riffed about the GOP and Social Security. And, you know, uh, he looks like a different man today. And I'm not, I don't want to be uncharitable. I just want to be objective here. Inside Biden's campaign, there's a belief that things are turning around. Um, they claim internal morale is up. Uh, even some super loyalists, some, some of the super loyalists, uh, they they have lingering worries that maybe it's it's happening too late, maybe maybe too slowly. Um, I, I don't know where, where they see that, but there is a window into the Biden campaign, and um, I saw a piece in, from CNN which they were reporting that some leading Democrats fear that the campaign might be stumbling past the point of no return now that they 
Um, they've been heartened by listening to, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris, which they view as a surprising and welcome change. Uh, I don't see her getting the votes. But, you know, again, I, I, I've been wrong many times before when it comes to how the American constituencies are going to vote. Uh, my guest today, Dr. Paul Kanger, what do you see happening here? The State of the Union is a big moment for the president. Uh, people are really going to look to see how he looks, how he sounds, what he has to say. He's going to sell the economy and a lot of other things. Um, this is kind of, I think, a pivotal moment because either they're going to move forward or they're going to have to move away from the president at some point. But your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he, he's scripted in the State of the Union. And so so that'll help a lot. And as long as he can read from a teleprompter, right, I mean, then he ought to be okay. Uh, I mean, then, then again, I mean, you know, I'm in the state of Pennsylvania, you, you know, your, your home state as well, Drew. Yep. And we saw uh, Senator John Fetterman um, last year in the campaign in Pennsylvania. Um, they let him read from a teleprompter during an actual debate with uh, Mahmoud Oz, Dr. Oz. And and Fetterman struggled to read from a teleprompter. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really embarrassing. And th but then again, the Democrats went and overwhelming, overwhelmingly elected him anyway. It was wild. <laughs> so they, they, they didn't care. Uh, so it, it, which which is you know exactly what would happen with Biden versus Trump. They're going to vote for Biden no matter what. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But in the last few weeks, you had that report that came out. What was it? Uh, two Fridays or Thursdays ago. Um, the special counsel report yep. about Biden not being able to remember um, kids' names and birth dates and, and so forth and deaths and all kinds of stuff. And that was the same week that the report came out, uh, not the report, but where Biden said recently he had talked to the dead uh, French president, Francois Mitterrand. And then he had also mentioned talking to Helmut Kohl, the uh, the, the German chancellor. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that what was that movie, The Sixth Sense, where the oh, kid yeah. says, you know, I speak to dead people. I right? see dead people. Yeah. 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 And here, here's Biden, you know, talking about talking to dead people. And I think I said on your show, I don't even know if that was a memory lapse in, in Biden's case as much as Biden just makes things up. Mm -hmm. He's always done that. I mean, he always makes up things and exaggerates and that's just what he does. But. But yeah, I mean, people are going to be watching very, very closely to see if he if he starts to. You know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound mean here, but obviously, what everyone's thinking, right? To see if he starts to kind of babble or or say things that are incoherent, and and it and 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 believe me, it's it's not even so much Republicans that are looking for that. Yeah. Liberals are watching that in great anxiety. Right. I mean, that's that's what they're afraid of, that there's going to be some kind of a meltdown like that with their guy that's really going to cost him and and his ability to defeat Donald Trump, because all they really care about in 2024 is that they just want to keep Donald Trump from getting back into the White House. A prominent pollster, a guy named Nate Silver, uh, said that Biden's on track to lose to Trump and the Dems have no plans to fix it. You got to realize Trump's 77, Biden's 81, but by the time he finishes his second term, he'd be 86 years of age. Uh, I, I think uh, age is a huge factor. Let's grab some calls. You and I could talk him. forever. Yeah. Reno of Nevada. Ray's been waiting for a while. Hi, Ray. You are on the air with Dr. Paul Kangor. Go right ahead. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, Hi. I just wanted to... Uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to take care of several or be around several family members that have had cognitive decline. And what I see scares the you-know-what out of me mm -hmm. uh, with Biden. So my question, you know, one thing that I noticed is when people get to that point, they won't admit 
anything because they don't see it themselves. So is there anyone that can step in and say enough is enough with any president, whether it be Biden or, or anybody else, when... I mean, this is detrimental to our country. So is there anyone that can do that? Yeah, I I think this is a great point, Drew. And, and, you know, I've seen I've seen this as well. Right. We've all seen it with family members, with with grandparents, with uh, elderly loved ones. Um, Yeah, often the biggest problem is that, that they can't see it themselves. And they and they can be very stubborn about it. And the hardest thing is to try to tell somebody that, um, no, I'm sorry, but you just can't do this anymore. Uh, As a Reagan biographer, uh, I've I've recounted the story where, um, you know, he's told that Ronald Reagan was told at at his ranch by his ranch hand, John Barletta, because Nancy Nancy Reagan was too heartbroken to tell him that, um, you know, sir, Mr. President, I'm sorry, but you can't ride a horse anymore. You know, you're, you're just, you're just not, you're not mentally, physically you could do it, but, but mentally you're not there anymore. And, and, you know, that's, and of course, Reagan was told that five, five years after he left the presidency, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, but Biden's already at that point and Reagan left the presidency. Let me think about do the math in my head here. Reagan was 77, I think when he left the presidency, 78. Um, and Biden would be, what did you say, Drew? 85, 86, 86, they said, yeah, the article I was reading said 86 years. And he's already, he already is, is at the point where he shouldn't be in another year. So to get another four or five years, no way. And, and everybody knows it. Democrats know it. Everybody knows it. Let's go to John in Portland, Oregon. John, thank you for calling in. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Yeah, um, you guys are talking about Trump and talking about Biden. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like either one of them. But what mm-hmm. about you guys are forgetting about the Mr. Independent guy, Robert Kennedy? Yeah, right, right, right on. Yeah, he's, told yeah, me he's no, really I... come up in the polls pretty good. He goes very well with forty-five and under because of how he, uh, the mainstream won't uh, let him interview well. So it's a great point, Doctor. I'll let you respond to that. But you know, he's got zero airtime. You know, that, it, yeah. it, just in terms of airtime to even poor Nikki Haley, in some respects, it's like because of Trump's trials, he just has sucked up all the oxygen in the room. Um, you know, but when it comes to third party candidates, these guys get zero. I mean, you know, he Kennedy uh, has had to do podcasts and show up on all sorts of other types of shows, but he really hasn't gotten a lot. And he's not the only third party candidate. But but what do you think of Robert F. Kennedy's chance of uh of, uh, you know, making a run or getting some votes. Yeah, well, they're not high that he, he could actually win, but he could definitely affect the race. And, in fact, the real clear politics numbers on a national five-way race have Trump at 41 percent, Biden at 36, and Kennedy at 13. And, and, and what's really key there is that when you bring Kennedy into the race, at least according to these numbers, Trump's lead over Biden goes from about 1.3 to about 4.8. So, so you know, you and I, Drew, have talked many times about if Kennedy comes in, who who does it help more? Who does it hurt more? And sometimes it looks like it it, it actually um, helps Biden a little bit more. Other times, Trump. But the latest numbers show it really helping Trump significantly. But um, but Kennedy's biggest problem, yeah, is getting airtime. Um, I, you know, Kennedy, Kennedy is a Democrat. I mean, he's running as an independent, but 
You know, his family is the Kennedy family. Uh, you, you, you wonder, you know, why wouldn't they maybe consider turning to him? Yeah. Uh, but 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 they've but they've so discredited him and gone after him. Biden won't even give Kennedy Secret Service protection. Uh, all of the left left has labeled uh, Kennedy what an anti-vax conspiracy theorist and all kinds of you know all, all all the slime and smears that they toss at people who disagree with them yeah. on all this stuff. So at this point, Kennedy's probably committed to a third-party run. I don't think um, I don't think he has any chance of winning the presidency, but um, I could see him possibly getting as high as twenty percent of the vote, uh, like Ross Perot did in, in nineteen ninety-two, and and that would, at the very least, I think, significantly affect the final outcome of the race. Yeah. Is there any scenario where um, you need what two hundred and seventy electoral votes to in a presidential election? The winners decided, you know, by uh, in that contingent election by the House of Representatives, if you don't get all 270 votes, any chance it'll be close, split, and he'll have a shot? I mean, I don't know. Um, you think people are Kennedy? sick of Biden and they're going to they'd go for a Kennedy instead? Or I, I think some Republicans will, will go for Trump. Um, there are some people who don't want to see him in office again. Um, what do you think? Well, that's, Any that's remote shot. How remote is that? That's probably ridiculously well, remote. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest problem of all for a third-party candidate. I mean, a third-party candidate can can have a respectable showing by maybe winning 20% of the vote and affecting the overall yeah. vote. But they have to win states to get electoral college votes, that's right? True. And so they might get 20% nationally, but I don't know of any state where Kennedy would outright win. Yeah. So, so I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see that as possible at all. Yeah. And according to the latest numbers, with Trump up significantly in Georgia, Nevada, um, Arizona, Michigan, and uh, Wisconsin. He's up a little bit in Wisconsin. The numbers are still showing Biden up a little bit in, in our home state of Pennsylvania. Um, but, if, but if Trump were to run the table yeah. in Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, and Michigan, mm -hmm. and he's going to win Ohio and Florida, yeah. I mean, this could be an electoral college uh, trouncing. Yeah, that's what I'm of, thinking. Uh, of Biden, yeah, uh, yeah. Jim's in uh, Chicago. He thinks Biden's going to win. Hey, Jim, good afternoon. You're on the air with Dr. Kengor. Good, after, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, the odds are eerily similar to 2020. Biden, I mean, uh, Trump was the favorite, about a eight to five favorite, according to uh, Patty Power in Europe. And Biden was about a two and a half point underdog. And they're exactly the same today. Wow. And I'm exactly the same. And I'm positive that Biden's going to win this election because if Trump thinks he's going to win Nevada, George, I know he needs those states desperately, but I don't think he can win those states. I think Nevada's been trending Democrat and Georgia's on the fence. So I don't know. And, and, and Biden won by 8 million votes, 7.5 million votes. Right. So right. I 81 to 75 to million. Yeah, I mean, he, he beat him by almost 7.5 million votes, and I yeah. think that it's going to be identical. Even a little bit higher this time. Wow! That's just I, I'm not. I can't. I don't have a crystal ball, right. but that's what I think is going to happen. Anyway, guys, have a great. Yeah. Uh, Jim, thanks. Thanks for the yeah, insight, thanks. Doctor. I'll, I'll let you respond. I mean, everybody was shocked by how things went down in the midterms, especially the last election. The president, current president, leave the, um, you know, the basement at the time, and there were huge turnouts right. for, for right. Trump. And yet he won significantly, according to that final, you know, vote tally. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. The most amazing thing that Donald Trump could go from sixty-two million votes in 2016 to about 75 million in lose. 2020. That's an enormous increase and lose, right? Lose by like 6 million votes. How could that possibly happen when you have somebody like Biden who didn't enthuse anybody 
who, like you said, never left his basement. Um, had you know, I, I'm not even going to call them rallies, yeah. right? They didn't even techno, they didn't even qualify as rallies. And then Trump had these massive rallies, and and the answer is basically uh, mail-in balloting uh, because of COVID. I mean, they, you know, that that was the decisive factor. And I would say this to the caller from Chicago: You're not going to have that in in 2024. Now, now a lot of states, especially where Democrats are in charge, have tried to ensure large large scale mail-in balloting, including in Pennsylvania. And, and so that indeed could be decisive, but countrywide, um, it's not a COVID year, and there shouldn't be the same massive mail-in balloting that there was before. And so that, that's got to help Trump, and uh, and it's got to be a detriment to Biden. Yeah. My guest today, Dr. Paul Kangor. Uh, Doc, I take a final break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. I'm grateful for everyone on hold. I'll jump right back to the phones on the other side. So stay with me. Short pause, and our conversation will continue. The Drew Mariani Show. Connected. Connected. Relevant Radio. Hey, if you have real estate or land that you no longer need, well, consider the advantages of donating it to Relevant Radio. The process is easy and the tax advantages can be huge. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash property. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks for joining me. I wish I had three more hours to hang out with you. I don't. And I am so grateful for Dr. Paul Kangor and his contribution. If you want to read some good writing, go to American Spectator, the website spectator.org. He's also the author of a number of great books, and you can check him out. He's a Reagan biographer as well, and it's good to have him here with us, Professor, uh, as well. Uh, Doc, it's good to have you back. Let's jump right in the phones. A lot of people have been waiting a long time to talk to you, so let's... See what we could do here. Patrick, who's up next? Uh, Rose in St. Louis, Missouri. Hi, Rose. Good afternoon. You're on the air with Dr. Kangor. Yeah, hi. Uh, boy, I got some news to tell you guys. This All is right. breaking news now. All right. Uh, Biden will not be run for president anymore. Uh, they got somebody new. Gavin Newsom will be for president. You said uh, Kamala Harris. This is this is for sure. You can take this to the bank. <laughs> Biden We're the betting is odds gone. on this, Rose. Wait a minute. Biden is gone. Yep. Gavin Newsom will be run as a Democratic pre for president. All right. Kamala Harris is gone. They have not yet said who the VP will be to run with Gavin. Gavin Newsom is Nancy Pelosi's nephew. That's all I have to say. I want you guys to know this. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. I, I'd save the over-under on this. I mean, she's got, I don't know. She's, this sounds like 90% betting odds if she were setting the, uh, the the betting line here, Drew. That's uh, pretty significant. All right. Uh, move along, doctor. We'll go to uh, Christina in uh, Silicon Valley, California. Hi, Christina. Good afternoon. Hi. Thanks for taking me, my call. Um, I think Joe Biden will win. I don't think it's going to be Joe Biden. I think it will be Michelle Obama, who has really no record to run on. So um, she sort of has a clean record. So there's nothing to really um, show on the negative side for her. But here's my the point I wanted to make. Donald Trump cannot carry the college-educated women vote. College-educated women do not vote for Donald Trump. It's a serious problem. 
And if Donald Trump would just be presidential in his behavior, um, he could win that vote. And he's he's never learned. That's what's yeah. disappointing. I'm a Republican. Right. I, I would still vote for the man, but I detest his behavior. Yeah. His, um, yeah, Christina, I, we, like I, I, I yeah, think so I think we that's, agree. Anyway, that's, that's the point. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think I think Donald Trump's mouth is his greatest problem. Some of the stuff that comes out of it, Doctor, you and I have talked about that before. Mm-hmm. You know, a mm-hmm. little more restraint would probably earn him a lot more votes. Yeah, she is spot on. She's exactly right. And when you and you know, you and I have been through this, Drew. When when we try to correct Trump for this kind of you know, awful behavior and stupid statements and, you know, it, it, things that just upset people, we get hate mail from from his followers. Right. Uh, for daring to criticize him when, when in fact, we're really saying like like she's saying that um, you know, it, it would it would help him with these voters if he could if he could be you know, it, it, better about his vocabulary, and what he says and the way he behaves and the way he acts, especially with, indeed, um, college educated women. She is spot on. All right, let me go to uh, our next call up. We only have a few minutes left. I'll sneak in Denise, who is listening in Chicago. Hi, Denise. Good afternoon. You're on the air with Dr. Kangor. Hi. Hello. College educated women aren't college educated women are not that smart, believe it or not. Look at Bonnie. Look at Bonnie Willis, Howard Law School. Look at Letitia James. They graduate with a degree in how to get Trump. The thing is, I do believe Trump will win in a landslide because he has increased popularity among the black voters, especially black men and with Hispanics. He's already being invited to come and speak in the South side of Chicago because Mm -hmm. they're so fed up with the failure of the Democrats with immigration. Chicago, they have just, they have disrespected the black community. And, and I feel like, you know, I'm not voting for Jesus. I'm voting for a guy who can lead this country. And yeah. I'm going to overlook his tweets and his commentary for his leadership. Yeah. It, it, Denny's funny. You say that. Some people say, you know, uh, how do you feel now about the weird tweets? You know, <laughs> a lot of people were very upset about where the economy is, the issue uh, of immigration, indoctrination of our kids, our energy policies, the wars, the exit from Afghanistan. There's a whole litany of things that people point to that. Um, went wrong during this current administration, but but Doctor, to to her point there, she thinks he's going to win uh, big, and he is winning. He is gaining um, Hispanic votes, and he is picking up um, a lot of black votes. And the economy is one of those driving factors. People look at where they were four years ago. Take a take a, out, away all the ideological stuff. They look at their pocketbook, and. You got two candidates that both have four years underneath their belt, and you got to, you can compare apples to apples based on, you know, what life was like. Um, your, your thoughts on whether or not he's going to he's going to win big or not, or whether those factors are going to play a deciding role in tilting the scales. Well, yeah, Denise makes a lot of great points, and in fact, like I tell you, someone with a PhD, right? I mean, the dumbest comments I often hear are from people with doctorates, <laughs> right? Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. So, okay, so Trump isn't doing great among educated women. He does really well among blue-collar women, right? Uh, you know, non-educated blue-collar women. So, in a way, it can offset that. Although, as the previous caller had said, it, it, it would help though if if he could. 
temper his statements in a way where he could also do at least better among educated women, right? I mean, that could go a long way in making it easier to win. Um, I would also add here to Drew, another driving factor is when people see things like that New York judge last week trying to find Donald Trump almost $400 million. I mean, that's like a half, that's close to a half billion dollars. That's crazy. I mean, I don't care who, who you are. You look at that, you say, this is insane. Yeah. I, I mean, even, even what's your, who, who's the commentator on MSNBC said, this is, this is way over the top. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and you know, that kind of thing, um, you know, liberals might be jumping up and down, shaking their pom-poms. Right. That, 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 <laughs> that's going to drive people to Donald Trump's side when they see that kind of um, awful behavior by the judicial system and judges and juries in Manhattan, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, you, well, you get a jury in Manhattan in America and you're toast, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, you get tried, you get tried in the city of New York and you're done. You know, 10 or 12 people are going to all vote against you because of your politics. Yep. Uh, it's just unjust. Yeah, and no and people see that and it's rallying people to Trump. No kidding. Doctor, I, you know, we have a board full of phone calls. I'd love to take more, but I'm up against the clock and out of time. I'm grateful to have you here. Uh, let's pray for our country, for sure. If people want to get connected to you, what's the best way to do that or to follow what you're writing? Amen. Well, thanks, Drew. Yeah, go to the American Spectators website, spectator.org. And I also teach at Grove City College. Go to our website for faithandfreedom.com. That's great. Doctor, we'll catch up again soon. My gratitude. All right, man. All right, take have care, a good Drew. One. Uh, I'm out of time for the day. Kale Clark is coming straight up until tomorrow. May God bless you. Have a great day.